Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Brazilian Point of View. My name is Ana and today I have a very special guest, Elena, to talk about her experience living and working on a cruise ship for three months, traveling around the world and teaching foreign languages. She shares many curiosities and stories and is just... Honestly, I loved having her here because this is something that I've thought about before, but hearing something like so real, like someone telling the reality of it all, it was just very, very fun. It's a very fun episode that I really hope that you enjoy. But before we get to that, please make sure to follow, subscribe and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and follow the podcast on Instagram at the Brazilian POV Podcast. And now without further ado, let's get to the episode. Thank you so much for coming to the podcast. I am so excited to have you here and hear all about your experience. Thank you so much. This is very exciting. So first of all, do you want to introduce yourself? Hi. So yes, uh, my name is Elena. Um, so I, I'm 32 and I'm Italian and I'm currently based in Edinburgh and uh, yeah, I, I think I'm here because I have used to work as a language teacher and I had this experience working on cruise ships uh, and I know that that's quite an uncommon uh, kind of job to have. So um, I would be really happy to talk a bit about that. Yeah, no, because I have never met anyone who has worked on a cruise ship before, so how was that experience? How did you get into that? And how was everything for how long? Uh, so yeah, it was uh, definitely like a, an unexpected situation for me. I was not actively looking for these kind of jobs. It sort of happened to me. Um, so at the time I just finished my master's, uh, which was in um, developmental linguistics, which is basically sort of the psychology of learning languages. And I had uh, already done a teaching training and uh, some practice uh, teaching Italian at the time. Then I did English as well, but at the time I was focusing on Italian. And after I finished my master's, I was just looking for jobs uh, all around Edinburgh. And one way, common way of doing it uh, is just knocking on the doors of language schools, asking if people are looking for someone. And so I spent a few days just knocking on school doors <laughs> and um, I ended up uh, this one, like um, you've maybe heard of a school called Berlitz. I think they're one of the biggest language schools um, in Europe at least. Um, and uh, the, the actually the the guy that was working there um, that was I think like the the director of studies uh, he was leaving the office I think it was about six and uh, I just like found him on the door he was closing the school and uh, handed him my CV and we had a little chat and then he kind of opened the school again just told me okay okay let me just uh, make a phone call and he. He made he called the offices, um, which I discovered were in Oxford, and I could just hear him say things like, "Oh yeah, are you still looking for someone for that ship?" And I was like, "What? What is going on?" Uh, and um, and basically, 
yeah, like uh, once he finished the phone call, he just asked me if I was available to teach for four months uh, on a cruise ship that traveled around the world. It was literally like going from Southampton to Southampton all around the globe. And consider at the time I had very little experience uh, with teaching. I, I had done my training and obviously I had studied these things. Um, but I I thought, okay, well, I, I, yeah, yeah. I had to decide very quickly if I wanted to do it. And I said, yes. And I resigned from the, I had a part-time job uh, at the time um, and I decided to leave. And that was, that was the way it started. That's so cool. So it was really like you were looking for a stable full-time job, just like stay there. And then like, here's a cruise ship for you. <laughs> <laughs> yes exactly um I mean I don't think I was looking for a stable job because I don't know if you've talked to many language teachers but uh, it tends to be quite a flexible job you end up working with a lot of different schools um but you do end up you know uh being you know like uh, facing some experiences like this one so, so the upside of the job is that you can end up doing some pretty interesting stuff <laughs> And how was it for you living in the cruise ship? And did they offer you like everything, like accommodation, then food and all everything? Uh, yeah, yeah. Actually, this was the main perk of the job because the actual uh, hours of work were paid very little. Um, I think it was like just something like 11 pounds an hour. And I had... Few, very few hours of work a day but the main compensation let's say was um actually like being on the ship itself and having everything paid for you and actually um so together with other teachers and trainers on board uh we had a special status uh so all the, the teachers and trainers were considered uh guest entertainers which was sort of like considered the cool kind of jobs that you could have on the ship so there was this also weird status thing on board which you will never have as a teacher on land so it was a bit of a surreal experience but yeah so the the the, the extra perks were that all the guest entertainers had pretty fancy cabins like they were guest cabins while most of the people that work on ships have these tiny, tiny um, cabins that we they share with other people. I I had another bed in my cabin, um, which is considered a, a real luxury. Um, so that was uh, definitely an extra. And then obviously all the food was paid for. Uh, there were different restaurants on the ship. Uh, and like there was always like buffet etc and I think there was one restaurant that was a bit fancier than the others where you had to pay something very little but just because there was a real chef on board um, so it was sort of the restaurant where you would go where you wanted to treat yourself a bit and and yeah that was not paid for but everything else was and obviously um, another like extra for me was and for all the guest entertainers is that we could actually visit every port um like where we where the ship stopped because most of the people that work on ship 
ships don't have that freedom. They normally have to work or stay on the ship even when uh, uh, the, the ship is at a port, which, which makes the whole experience a bit sort of, I don't know, like not as full as it could be, because obviously you are maybe, let's say in Mumbai, but then you cannot see Mumbai, but um, but I could I could do it. I, I saw every port uh, where we stopped and that was always a day off. Thank you to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. Moving to Edinburgh was not an easy decision and it required a lot of mental and emotional preparation. And nothing could have prepared me better than going to therapy. I've been in therapy for the past seven years now, and I cannot recommend it enough for those who think about starting this journey. I know sometimes it might be hard to find a good therapist that will match you, so that's why I recommend a better help as your next therapy source. BetterHelp is the world's largest therapy service, and it's 100% online. With BetterHelp, you can tap into a network of over 25,000 licensed and experienced therapists who can help you with a wide range of issues. To get started, you just answer a few questions about your needs and preferences in therapy. That way, BetterHelp can match you with the right therapist from their network. Then, you can talk to your therapist however you feel comfortable, whether it's via text, chat, phone, or video call. You can message your therapist at any time and schedule live sessions when it's convenient for you. If your therapist isn't the right fit for any reason, you can switch to a new therapist at no additional charge. With BetterHelp, you can get the same professionalism and quality you expect from in-office therapy, but with a therapist who is custom-picked for you, more scheduling flexibility, and at a more affordable price. Get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash thebrazilianpov. That's betterehelp.com slash thebrazilianpov. And how was that for you? Because the ship traveled the world. How was it like getting off in those places and meeting different cultures and everything? Mm. So I would say the the main thing was that the world on the ship uh, followed completely different rules than the world outside the ship. They like it was very different because people don't, don't think about it much, but the whole idea of uh, like having such big ships have, has got sort of a bit of a like a military tradition as well so like and for everything to function there have to be pretty strict rules so uh, on board like there was this feeling that yeah obviously everyone was on holiday but if you were working there you also had to do these drills which means like preparing in case of an emergency and like being uh, sure that you you knew how to uh, guide the guests uh, if something was uh, going wrong. Like, for example, we went to a, a place where there was a risk of um, like pirate attacks, and I'm not even joking. Uh, and you had to, so we had to be trained about that. And then the captain had access to uh, like a phone in our cabins and also kind of of a loudspeaker in our cabins and every morning we would receive an announcement from the cabin and it that was that made the experience quite intense in terms of um you really realize that you had to sort of follow some rules uh, and obviously on land it was the opposite because we were completely free to roam um and see the spots and 
one thing that I learned pretty fast is that the people who do these jobs, um, like, and for for a bit of time, they manage to understand immediately what are the three, four things that are worth seeing in a place, or like kind of the most kind of specific, like important ones, um, as well as kind of more niche things or more traditional things, but the stuff that is worth seeing. Uh, people who travel a lot, and especially that spend very little time in each port, they become super attuned to not wasting time and so it was really good for me to follow the friends that I made in particular I made friends with the photographers which was an excellent choice because uh, they always knew the best spots to go because they obviously had to take pictures of the places um, and I was really impressed by how quickly they could read a place um, so wherever we were they yeah they immediately um, they immediately knew where to go and what kind of food to have to, you know, and a lot of little tricks to see the best things. For example, one thing I had never thought about when traveling is um, for like a panoramic view, they would always try and locate the Hilton hotels, uh, which is very specific, but they are in so many places and they have have like a kind of a free access uh, terrace on the rooftop uh, where you normally from the location of the hotels can see the entire city uh, and like the view is always spectacular and obviously I never thought of doing that in any place um, yeah, but it's very so interesting yeah yeah so that's something I started doing later on as well and I thought it was quite funny. Can we go back for a sec? What do you mean pirate attacks? <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, well, we, we were not attacked, <laughs> luckily, but there is a risk. I think it was around the coast. Uh, uh, to be honest, I have forgotten where exactly it was, but I think we were moving from like Asia towards the Mediterranean. So there was an area in like where we were somewhere in the waters near North Africa but I can't remember the specifics and it was an area where there was a lot of cruise ships passed and because they tend to carry quite rich customers and the sort and they're also very visible they have been um they've been attacked before I don't know like the specifics of how that happens but basically what we had to do to ensure security also because most of the guests aboard are like uh, especially for the world tours are pensioners so people who are like 70 year old or more so not super difficult to attack uh, I guess and uh, obviously there's a crew uh, I don't know I'm, I'm I'm going all over the place with this but basically to ensure safety for a few days I think four or five days all the um, the lights on the ship uh, were switched off completely at night which sounds kind of um, something simple but it's it, like it really did make a difference because you have to consider that a ship is a bit like a hotel and it, it kind of like worked on a, according to the principle that if at night you wanted to go somewhere like you know it would be open uh, it would be lit up uh, and you could do it but during those four or five days um yeah we were completely in the dark 
which was again uh, another type of interesting experience but this is basically to make the ships less visible in the night so that pirates cannot attack them <laughs> and also uh, like the cabins that had balconies uh, had to shut the balconies during those four or five days to prevent access wow that's crazy that's something that i would have never even considered because i think i i don't remember where when but i think i've heard that pirate attacks were like something but I don't know like I, it just sounds crazy to me anyway and it was it was fun because we every time there was something like this like a new routine to be uh, acquired we received communications so each cabin had a little sort of uh, letterbox outside which made it very fun to communicate with friends because like we could just leave each other's letters um but also the captain or you know like the the you know the general administration would leave these messages and we just received a letter basically saying yeah now we're entering a territory where we can be attacked by parrots so we're gonna have to do this and this and that so it was yeah it was quite funny <laughs> and although you didn't stay long like in each place that you stopped did you actually get to experience a little bit of the places? Because like, I know that you said that you've been to like key places, but did you did you actually think that you were able to enjoy? Oh, I definitely did. I, I mean, it's definitely an experience that um, makes you have a bit more of a taster of different countries. But I found that two things happened that wouldn't normally happen on, you know, on a trip somewhere. So um, one was that you were exposed to, to places that were so different in such a short amount of time. So I feel like the comparisons made every feature much more striking. Um, so let's say if one day, I don't know, like you're in like Japan and then you're in Hong Kong, you will start noticing so quickly like all the differences in the architecture, in the food, in the smells, in the people. Um, so that was definitely really enjoyable. And I think it's, it rarely happens so much. And the other thing is that because you know that you're gonna have such limited time, but at the same time, you kind of get used to this rhythm. Uh, as I said, you sort of, become really good at embracing whatever experience quite quickly for example we ended up in um, um colombo uh, uh, where they have um, um they use these tuk-tuks that are used in india as well uh i'm not sure if you uh if you know it they're kind of like rickshaws and they're used to just like move around and some are motorized and some are just like uh kind of, um, uh, I, I can't think of the word, but like you, you just pedal basically. Um, and in Colombo, pretty close to the port, there were lots of people driving these um, tuk-tuks. And we basically like, we didn't think about it twice and just asked if we could like drive them ourselves and they let us do it. And that was very fun. And it, I don't think I would have had the same kind of, 
confidence or attitude if I was on let's say a normal kind of trip um but like I would say we I got I got very used to uh, being quick at like kind of embracing the new experiences so even if it was like limited the amount of time I feel the mindset allowed to experience quite a lot and how many countries did you go to uh, so yeah it was 33 countries um, so I might have a list somewhere because uh, I might I think I have forgotten uh all of them but yeah basically we we moved from Southampton and there were four main legs uh they called them so um basically there were four main ports along the way where customers would like leave the ship or join the ship uh cuz not everyone stayed for the full the full four months some people just stayed for a, a part of it so the first leg was Southampton San Francisco Francisco and actually my brother joined me there which I thought was fun and then like San Francisco uh, Hong Kong and then oh no sorry there was Sydney before that uh, so Sydney and then Hong Kong and then back to Southampton and then there were lots of ports in between and obviously some were kind of closer together uh, like uh, lots of different cities um and others were very far for example when we were in the pacific ocean i mean it's huge and people don't think about it but we 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 were on the ship for days and days to stop we we went, needed to stop in samoa and fiji uh and uh, um yeah like and and basically all the little islands of the Pacific. But then there was uh, a storm, which meant we couldn't stop. Uh, I think it was uh, in like, uh, to be honest, I, I can't remember, but like there was a like a, a stop that we couldn't, we couldn't uh, complete. And we, so we had to be redirected to another city in Australia. Uh, but like that meant that we were on the ship for like eight days or so, which was, yeah, quite intense. Usually um, how long would you stay on a ship for like um, following days? Normally, like it would be one or two days in a port and then one or two days on like in, in the water. Oh, okay. Yeah. And what are some of the best and worst places that you have visited in your opinion oh yeah so um like I definitely um I cannot think of any worst ones but I I will try I was really really impressed by uh, Singapore I had never thought about Singapore before. Um, I don't know why, but and it's definitely not what I was expecting. I found that it had this incredible balance between being very obviously a, a metropolis, so a, a huge city and very functional. Um, but at the same time, it was very calm, or at least I, I got this impression that it was calm. Like, And I could, for example, um, compare it to some huge cities that I saw in the States uh, where I always had this impression that there was a lot of 
energy going on and everyone was rushing and uh, everyone was doing something and it felt pretty crazy while in Singapore I had this impression that everything was pretty calm and quiet despite it being a big city um, and again maybe it's just an impression but I don't think I felt uh, that way about other places um, and obviously also the the innovation of the city I thought it, it seemed directed in sort of nice ways um, um, so there was lots of nature like this kind of um, green architecture for example with lots of uh, like plants embedded in the buildings and I thought that was really fantastic uh, and in terms of worst countries like I can't really think about any I feel actually no actually yes um, but it, it, it's not a criticism of the the countries one thing I've noticed that I thought was very sad is that in some countries a little sort of industry has grown around this cruise tourism in a way that is not always positive. Um, for example, I remember in Vietnam, uh, we stopped. I mean, it was also a foggy day, so <laughs> the energy was already low. But like, there was this huge market that was created just next to the port exclusively because, uh, you know, like they, they knew that there would be rich tourists. And then like all the, the, the stuff that was sold were basically like souvenirs of like that, that were not particularly local or particularly interesting in some kinds they were like t-shirts with like logos and stuff that you would imagine coming from western countries already and that was something that made me a bit sad like seeing that part of the the cities at least had been changed by the tourism created by the by the the ships um so i thought that that made me a bit sad and also like the criticism is not so much on the countries themselves that allowed for this but there were definitely some guests on board that had no real interest in the cultures that they were you know getting in touch with they were more like doing a cruise because they were doing a cruise and you could see that they were not interested in like trying new food or like discovering the really authentic stuff um and yeah like just that that just really made me a bit sad but it's more about the the experience of the cruise not about the countries mm -hmm. um so overall would you recommend the experience of working on a cruise ship oh yeah absolutely i think it's um it depends very much what actually what role you end up doing uh, I realized that I was uh, one of sort of the privileged people on board um, like all the entertainers uh, the photographers the teachers um, we had as I said like a bit more of a higher status let's say that came with the more uh, freedom to visit the countries but it was in general like very fun but I've also heard of experiences of people who like other in other roles you will just work uh, and you won't have much free time to actually see the countries um, and um, you know like so it will mainly be a, a work experience but in general I think it's so 
um, it's so, so particular that I, I definitely do recommend it. One, one thing, for example, um, that I thought a lot about is uh, musicians on board. There were so many musicians uh, and I understand that uh, you know, like the kind of music that they had to play was maybe slightly more commercial, but I thought it was a fantastic way of practicing and playing, especially if if one is a, like a student or like has got sides, um, you know, like side jobs during re the rest of the year. I thought it would be pretty fun to be a musician on board. Um, so. In general, I, I I really do recommend it. And in terms of the language teaching, it's gonna become more popular um, because like there is request, especially for um, for languages like Italian, Spanish, but it will be the case for for French, for Portuguese, um, maybe for German. I don't know, but I've been told uh, by the language schools that it it is becoming it is it's becoming a more popular option yeah that's what i was gonna ask because actually i would have never thought that you could actually learn a language in a cruise ship <laughs> like it's not because i feel like when you get an idea of what you're doing a cruise ship is all like oh activities and then like some classes but like dance classes stuff like that like a true like vacation scenario but it's so interesting that you can actually learn languages on a cruise ship yeah, it's a new scenario, and I think it obviously only applies to the trips that are the longest because it takes a bit of time to become familiar with the language. But it was very popular the course on board, um, and so the language schools are actually trying to push for these courses more. And to be honest, some of the some of my students, because I had two main courses in the morning for like begin complete beginners. And in the afternoon for uh, improvers, so people that knew a little bit of Italian already and um, were just just needed to to learn better. And honestly, especially the second course, where people kept coming to the classes every day, like they really did learn pretty well at the end of the four months, because it's quite an immersive experience. I know you're not in the country, but you're still having classes every day. And you're kind of also becoming friends with the other the other guests and the other classmates. So um, I think it's quite an effective way of practicing, like surprisingly. No, definitely seems so interesting. This is definitely something that I would want to do if I was stuck on a cruise ship for four months. Why not go ahead and try to learn a language? Mm. Yeah, um, yeah, I agree. I think I, I would definitely do the same. All right. So finally, every week we give a recommendation of a movie, a book or a TV show. What recommendation do you have for our listeners this week and why? Uh, yes. So um, what I really want to recommend uh, is a book by Lonely Planet. Uh, and it's called um, Traveling on Your Couch. Uh, I mean, I've got the Italian version, which is called Viaggiare in Poltrona. And it's uh, a book that recommends books, but also films and music connected to specific countries. And it's the book that I brought with me on the ship. Uh, and I really loved having it. 
basically each section um, like uses the theme of a specific country or a specific uh, landscape uh, um, and recommends like films that are set in that particular place. It can be also a city um, or a region, uh, but it also recommends like music that you can listen to, maybe specific types of music that you had not heard of that are specific of a, of a country. Um, and then like, yeah, movies and books. Uh, and I really loved getting suggestions based on the countries that I was going to visit. Oh, that's amazing. I've never heard of it, but definitely sounds super interesting. Um, yeah, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and sharing your experience. It was so interesting. Like I would have never thought like more than half of everything that you talked about and it seems super fun way to work and spend your time um yeah I loved hearing about your experience thank you so much for coming thank you so so much it was great to talk about this <laughs> and yeah I, I hope it can encourage more people to like look into it at least so that's pretty much for today's episode, except that after we stopped recording, Elena told me something just crazy because I think she mentioned in the episode that most people who go on this cruise ship that she was working on are pensioners. So they're very old age and it's three months. So let's be realistic. High chances of people dying, right? So what do they do when people die? And she was telling me that they take the body out of the cruise ship as soon as they stop somewhere but this time around as she said that they were stuck for a few days someone died and then basically they had to store the body on the freezer that they had ice cream which meant that the boat or the cruise ship had to eat the whole ice cream because obviously they cannot store ice cream in the body together in the freezer so I thought that it was interesting for me to pop that into the episode right at the end because I thought that that was just crazy and there was no way I could not share this with you <laughs> but yeah thank you so much for tuning in I really hope that you enjoyed this episode and I hope to see you back here next week bye everyone <laughs>